You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Vitamin D and calcium supplementation. Can it reduce your cancer risk? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Renee Matthews, your host, and with me today is Dr. Joan Lappy. Dr. Joan Lappy is a professor of medicine and professor of nursing at Creighton University Medical Center in Omaha, Nebraska. She is also Director of Clinical and Pediatric Studies at the Osteoporosis Research Center there and is the lead author of the study being discussed today. Dr. Lappy, welcome to our program. Thank you for having me. Thank you for accepting our invitation. Dr. Lappy, you have recently done some research in cancer that I know our listeners will find very interesting. Can you please tell us more about the correlation between vitamin D and calcium supplementation? Sure. We did a study to see if calcium and vitamin D or calcium alone could decrease the risk of cancer, and we found that in a group of postmenopausal women, calcium and vitamin D together dramatically decrease the incidence of all types of cancer. Postmenopausal women, so these women are ages, what, 55 and over? To enter into the study, they had to be at least 55 and at least uh, four years after menopause, and I think the average age of this group was about uh, 68 years And this was all types of cancers or specific ones were you targeting? There were all types. We just wanted to see uh, what showed up in the placebo group, which was kind of what told us what we were preventing, had breast cancer, colon cancer, uterine cancer, sort of the things that you would expect in a group of women this age. And these vitamin D and calcium supplements, were these, you know, just Tums for calcium? I mean, what was, was there specific pills that you were using? Or We have a, a lot of interest in calcium and vitamin D, and so uh, we uh, gave high doses compared to what some people use, especially the vitamin D. Uh, we had the vitamin D especially formulated for us. It was vitamin D3, which is uh, an active form of vitamin D, and we gave capsules that had 1,100 international units in one capsule, and these women took one a day. Uh, Now, the recommendations in the U.S. for that age group would be somewhere between 400 and 600 international units a day. So it was nearly twice as high as the highest recommendations. For calcium, we decided to go with 1,400 to 1,500 milligrams a day, which is a little bit higher than the recommended calcium intake for women this age, but some of the work in our center shows that that's probably the optimum calcium intake, especially to prevent osteoporosis and fractures. Now that we saw that this did work, what was your percentage of uh, success as far as reducing the cancer? Uh, We reduced the incidence of cancer by about 60%. Now, will these recommendations go to the FDA and change the um, recommendations for women this age? Well, we're optimistic that the recommendations for vitamin D intake are going to increase. Uh, In fact, there's been quite a movement. A lot of the scientists in the vitamin D area uh, have been trying to get this revisited. What it's really going to take probably are some scientific meetings and discussion to review the studies that have been done. But many, many surveys show that people are really vitamin D deficient, especially those who live towards the northern part of the country or in Canada or in Europe. And so many people need vitamin D supplementation to get their vitamin D nutrition to optimal levels. So the short answer is uh, we hope that they're going to revisit those recommendations. You're probably aware that the Canadian Cancer Society just last week 
changed their recommendations to be 1,000 international units a day during the fall and winter months for people who, uh, well, that would be everyone who doesn't get sunshine during the winter time. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we will follow behind Canada. So as far as the vitamin D that everyone normally intakes. I know vitamin D you do get from the sun. Did you find perhaps that these women weren't even getting enough of that vitamin D? We didn't measure their sun exposure. Okay. Uh, But at baseline, you know, before they started taking any of our supplements, they had fairly high serum 25-hydroxy vitamin D. The average in each of the groups was somewhere around 75 nanomoles per liter. And Recently, papers are suggesting that probably the optimal level is about 75 nanomoles per liter. So they were pretty high at baseline. So you could assume that perhaps because they're rural, they they were getting more uh, sunlight exposure. Of course, of course. Now, what does this say for possibly preventing cancer earlier on before menopause? You know, I, I think there's a lot of reason to think it could. In fact, there was a recent paper that was just published a couple weeks ago that was just looking at self-selected dietary intake, and it suggested that premenopausal women who had a higher dietary intake of vitamin D had a slightly lower risk of breast cancer. And I think the strongest hint out there is that for years, studies have shown that people of all ages and both men and women who live in sunnier parts of the country have a lower incidence of all types of cancer. And this was really first noticed back in 1940, but no one paid a lot of attention to it until into the 1980s. And since then, there have been many reports on decreased cancer incidence and mortality in areas where there is more sunlight exposure. Okay, that is very interesting. I was not aware of that. So I guess California and places like this apparently have less cancer rates than... Well, particularly the the Southwest, uh, you know, like oh, okay. Arizona and Nevada. And uh, I suppose part of the problem with some of California could be the smog. Interesting um, studies have been done by a fellow by the name of William Grant, who actually was able to use NASA satellites, I believe it was, to determine the UVB, ultraviolet B radiation, from the sun in different parts of the country. And then he looked at data on cancer incidence and mortality, and he's the one who's done a lot of the premier work in that area. And showed definitely, in two cases, I remember he published decreased incidence of breast cancer in women and decreased prostate cancer in men in uh, areas that had more uh, UVB exposure. And so this, uh, your study, I know, was for postmenopausal women. So is there someone else or do you know someone that is doing a study to reflect the men? Actually, uh, this was the first uh, randomized placebo-controlled trial. And I, I'm not aware of anyone else doing one of those now. I suspect there will be some uh, after ours is published. You're listening to Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Renee Matthews, and I'm speaking with Dr. Joan Lappy, and we are discussing prevention of cancer in women. The ladies that did come down with cancer, was it specific types that they did end up getting, the ones that were receiving the placebo? or It was pretty well spread across the board. There were, of course, the highest and most frequently occurring cancer was breast cancer. There was some colon, uterine, there was leukemia, lymphoma, uh, thyroid cancer. So they were just, as I said, just kind of spread all across uh, what you would expect in women of this age. And can you explain to us exactly how it works the calcium and the vitamin D? The vitamin mechanism for vitamin D is believed to be the fact that many cells in the body have vitamin D receptors. 
And when they're engaged, what they do is augment the immune system and actually help with cell differentiation so that cells are less likely to become malignant and actually they increase apoptosis so some of the malignant cells are actually die. And also um, the immune system is really augmented by, uh, because many of the cells in the immune system have vitamin D receptors. And so in order for these uh, cells to work, they have to have an optimal level of circulating 25-hydroxy vitamin D, the substrate, for uh, the active form of vitamin D is actually 125-dihydroxy vitamin D, but this is uh, formed in an autocrine fashion from 25-hydroxy D. And then the calcium? Now, calcium, was we're not quite sure how to interpret what we found in our study because in the first analysis we did looking at everyone over four years, calcium actually significantly decreased the risk of cancer also, but not to the degree that the calcium plus vitamin D did. Then we actually did a second analysis um, and removed people from the analysis who developed cancer during the first year of the study. And the reason we did that is that we thought that anyone who developed cancer during the first year probably had a pre-existing cancer when the study started. In fact, one lady was diagnosed with cancer about two months after she started the study. So that was probably there but undiagnosed. So when we did that second analysis, which would just be excluding those people who developed cancer during the first year, then the calcium plus vitamin D supplementation actually decreased the risk even greater to 77% reduction in cancer incidence. However, in that second analysis, the effect of calcium was no longer statistically significant. So um, there's there's evidence uh, from other studies that calcium can decrease the risk of cancer, too, especially colon cancer. But as I said before, in our study, we're not quite sure how to interpret that. So what would your advice be to take some supplements or to actually eat the foods that are rich in calcium and vitamin D? Well, our approach, we do a lot of nutrition research, and our approach is usually a well-balanced diet. Calcium may be easier to get from the diet than vitamin D, but it's primarily dairy foods. So if people don't eat uh, much dairy food, they're probably not going to get enough calcium in their diet, in which case supplementation is the way to go. Vitamin D is really hard to get from the diet. About the only natural foods that have vitamin D are the fatty fishes and egg yolk. And milk in this country is fortified with vitamin D, but you'd have to drink a lot of milk because each glass only has 100 international units. So I think probably for most people, uh, supplementation is the way to go. And for both those supplements, uh, it's safe and it's very inexpensive with with few side effects. And what would those few side effects be? Well, you know, with calcium, the one that comes up the most often is um, constipation, although uh, there are studies that show that the placebo group were complained of constipation as much as the active group, so I'm not quite sure what the true answer is there. The other thing is uh, high doses of calcium actually uh, can sometimes cause problems with hypercalcemia. Now, vitamin D is very well tolerated and uh, is very safe. And again, it would be at very high doses there might be a risk of hypercalcemia. I'm just thinking for myself as a allergy. Um, I have a lot of allergies and I drink skim milk. Is there enough calcium in skim milk? Yes, actually, uh, if 
you take it quantitatively, skim milk might have just a little more calcium than whole milk, for example, because whole milk has more fat. But any kind of milk provides about the same amount of calcium. Lastly, the supplementation, this is two separate pills or do you suggest a multivitamin that has both? You know, uh, with vitamin D, it's hard to get enough from a multiple vitamin because a lot of multiple vitamins have 200 or 400 international units. And so let's say you're trying to get 1,000, you may get in a multiple vitamin too much of the other vitamins like B vitamins, and so you could have a toxicity. So we recommend a standalone vitamin D. Uh, They're a little bit hard to get, but they're becoming more and more available. And we we definitely recommend asking, reading the label and looking for vitamin D3. There is a vitamin D2 that's a plant form, but it's not as active as vitamin D3. I want to thank Dr. Joan Lappy, who has been our guest, and we have been discussing current issues in women's health. I am Dr. Renee Matthews, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.